Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. You can leave a review on Podchaser, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and there's other places too. Let's just finish this. Alright, let's just end this because it's... It's almost strange, but I'm starting to appreciate this shit. Like, really, I am. Like, the way that it's all working together, I had time to think about this. Like, the way that this is all worked together, if it's worked together like this since the very first book, that shit is incredible. So, really, I, I love a good mystery, like Knives Out and 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 other mysteries. I can't think of them right now, but, oh, 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 um... Murder on the Orient Express, and, you know, they're some of my favorites. So, to have a book like this just pull that sort of an okey-doke on me where it comes out of nowhere, and that's twice, because at the end of the first book, I was like, oh, when it came to Alice. But, I still have questions, but that's because of, you know, just the way that I read the book. And how I absorb the information. And everybody absorbs things differently. And that's fine. Um, The primary question. Does seem to be that there were times. Where she was actually there. Where Alice was actually there. Or. um, You know. She was actually having a conversation with people. Or whatever it may have been. I don't know. Maybe those were memories too. I don't know. Anyhow, let's get this shit over with. Chapter 18, Vernita. Child, life was so crazy. After Mr. Colvin agreed to break me off some dick in exchange for minding his motherfucking business, he snuck me out of the nursing facility and now we were making our way over to this Holiday Inn not far away from the nursing home. It sure was nice outside today, too. God was showing up and showing out. You hear me? After we hopped in the car, as I requested, we made a first stop at a nearby liquor store so I can get me a bottle of peach Hennessy and a pack of Russian cream backwoods. Soon as we got in the car, I popped that bottle open and went straight to drinking. I couldn't even wait to get some of that brown liquor down my throat. Baby, I hadn't had a good drink in nearly a year. And child, I had a big bag of reefer I was going to light up once we got inside the room. 
From time to time, I convinced Jarvis, one of the young boys who worked up at the nursing home, to bring me some green. He was reluctant at first, but I paid him extra to help poor Miss Vernita out. Looking out the window, I was starting to feel like I was on cloud number nine. I was feeling so good right about now. I couldn't believe how it seemed like everything fell into place. Although this Mr. Colvin was one shady motherfucker, I couldn't help but take advantage of the situation. He just better do right by me and give me what I want. If not, I already had a backup plan for his ass. If he backed out on me, or if the nigga ended up being trashed with a dick, I was going to accuse him of raping me. Nigga thought I was dumb, but I was pretty sure he had a backup plan in case things didn't quite pan out the way he expected it. These brownies show is good. I really didn't think Charday's ugly ass could even bake like that, I mumbled as I tore through these ooey, gooey, double chocolate fudge pecan brownies she whipped up for me. I reopened the Tupperware container sitting on my lap and then asked Mr. Colvin if he wanted one. Sitting behind the steering wheel of the car, he looked over at me and gave me a firm no. You sure? You might need to put a little something something in your stomach before you dig up in this juice box. Baby, I can fuck for hours, I told him. I'm sure, he responded nonchalantly, keeping his eyes attached to the road. He better change up that mood real quick and get some pep in his voice. Since we'd been in the car, he'd been pretty silent. I could tell he was so uncomfortable with the idea of giving me some dick. But he was going to learn today that an old nasty bitch like me could suck and fuck just like any of these young hoes out here in the streets. And since he was going to get this money from me, he better be ready for a fuckathon. Okay then, well, I'm going to finish out the rest of these brownies because that food at the nursing home is nasty as shit, I said as I pulled out another brownie and began munching away. I was just so surprised that Sharday could bake. Since I had been up at the nursing home, Sharday had been visiting me more often to check up on me. I felt kind of bad because obviously I had to play up that I was really out of my mind. We couldn't have normal conversations talk about her life, her kids, and what she had going on with Lamar. Gosh, these brownies were so good too. Too bad her mammy wasn't alive because I just knew her fat ass would have loved these. Child, that heifer was capable of eating an entire pan of brownies by herself. Rotten ass hoe. To this day, I still couldn't believe that she and Clarence fucked around with each other behind my back. Then the bitch got pregnant. That was so hurtful, especially considering I couldn't have kids. That would drive any woman to go crazy. That type of betrayal would never leave my memory. I thought about what they did to me every goddamn day. And that was probably why I kept hallucinating all that shit despite the fact I got rid of her ass and Clarence years back. Motherfuckers. This is me. I'm betting. I am absolutely certain that those brownies are poison. So, you just gonna keep faking it until you die? Mr. Colvin asked. Why does it matter to you? How do you live with yourself knowing you did what the fuck you did? He came to a stoplight then looked at me. You better not try to off me too, he said as he pulled his shirt up and revealed his gun. My eyes widened out of fear. I should have seen that coming. I don't want to hear none of that right now, Mr. Colvin. I just want to feel good. I haven't felt good in nearly a year. Now please, no more of that negative talk. You killing the vibe. Yeah, whatever. You just better make sure I have my money. Hush up now. You'll get your money, I told him. Yeah, but I still want to know why. Just because your husband slept behind your back with your friend? And what about Mr. Andrews? Yeah, I done did some things, crazy things at that. But that was only when you crossed me the wrong way. 
Now, please, I don't want to talk about none of that right now, I shouted. He just shook his head and kept his eyes on the road. Baby, let me tell you something. Life was surely a roller coaster. I've had my fair share of ups and downs. I've seen plenty of good times and obviously a lot of bad times. Nonetheless, nothing wasn't ever going to stop me from living my best life. Now I knew something wasn't right with me. Turned out the tumor had grown a bit bigger. The hallucinations I've been experiencing had become more intense. And even my memory went to shit. Those medications weren't helping either. However, by the grace of God, I knew deep down that nothing was seriously wrong with me. That day I passed out in the parking garage, I swore my life had descended into absolute chaos. Once again, these doctors got their hands all over me and began diagnosing me with all sorts of ailments. I would have fought my way out of that hospital when I found out that the police and FBI had been all up in my home. It was best for me to play being sick and demented. And I had been doing just that for the past year to keep these motherfuckers out of my business. Obviously, except for Mr. Colvin. And now that Mr. Colvin knew all about the skeletons buried deep in my closet, literally, I'd be damned if I was going to go out spending the rest of my life shackled up in some prison cell. No, ma'am. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mr. Colvin could try to guilt trip me all he wanted, but I had not a single bone of remorse in my body. Like I said before, they should have never done what they did to me. How dare Clarence sleep behind my motherfucking back and have a baby with my best friend? As far as that raggedy fat hoe... Yeah, I paid this little boy to push that fat bitch down the stairs. And when his little dumbass got slick and threatened to snitch on me, I had Percy get his ass. And Percy? Well, honestly, some things I just couldn't remember in great detail. I think that night I killed him, I had been hallucinating. Honey, my memory was shot to shit now. But I can tell you right now, though, the only thing that was real was the prospect of getting my walls tore up. You seem a tad bit nervous. You nervous? I asked, chuckling. I won't bite, I promise. I might be almost 80 years old, but this pussy don't act like it. You ever been with an older woman? I asked Mr. Colvin. He shook his head no. Well, there's a first time for everything, I said to him. Some minutes later, we pulled into the parking lot of the Holiday Inn. Mr. Colvin found a spot close towards the entrance. Just before he turned the car engine off, he looked over at me and said in an angry voice, like, I'm really not playing. I want my motherfucking money, Vernita. You ruined my life and I ain't got shit now. If you fucking with me, please believe I'll run straight to the cops and show them everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look, you ain't getting nothing from me until I'm done. You understand me? I spat back at him. Just fucking relax. You acting all irate right now for no fucking reason. Are you a motherfucking... Okay, so... There's homophobic slurs in this section of the book. And I'm not cool with them. Strangely enough, for all the y'all who may have heard me talking about it, I'm not cool with the word bitch either. So it's like, why do I have an issue with saying a homophobic slur? But I don't have an issue with saying bitch. And I don't know. But I have an issue with both of them. And so I am going to apologize in advance for saying them because it's I, I've been giving this a lot of thought. Um, the book, I put a disclaimer out at the beginning of each episode. 
if the book says it, I want to read it as the book would say it, you know. Um, it is not my job to censor these books. It is not my job to censor uh, what you can and can't hear. And that's unfair to you, the listener, for me to censor something from you because I feel a certain way about it. I sure as fuck can make fun of it, but I'm not going to censor it. So with that said, uh, let's go back to the story. Just fucking relax. You acting all irate right now for no fucking reason. Are you a motherfucking faggot or something? Bitch, don't call me no faggot. Well, then what's the problem then? Pussy is pussy. Man, fuck this shit. I'm not fucking you. That's some nasty shit. Got me all the way fucked up. Don't even know what the fuck I'm thinking. I'm in such a bad place right now, but this shit right here ain't worth it. Well, bring me back to the nursing home then, nigga. Yeah, I sure fucking will. And bitch, you going to jail. Fuck this shit. Nigga, they ain't gonna believe not a goddamn thing you saying. Besides, I'm calling you bluff. Motherfucker, you don't have the balls to run down to that station and run your mouth. First of all, you broke into my house and stole that laptop. Besides, nigga, I've been diagnosed with late stage dementia. I got medical records to back it up, ho. Ain't no prosecutor in their right mind gonna believe your weak punk ass. Soon as I said what the fuck I had to say to his bitch ass, he lowered and shook his head. Yeah, bitch nigga, you think I'm dumb or something. Now what you gonna do? You want the money or not? This ain't right, he howled out like a hoe ass nigga. This ain't right at all. Stop all that fussing. Boy, you don't even know what my body look like. Don't let that wheelchair fool you. My hip might be giving me some issues now, but I keeps my body in shape. My body look better than the rest of these scalawags on the street. Oh my god, this is fucking disgusting. I ain't fucking no old ass lady, Mr. Colvin cried out, punching the steering wheel of the car. Stop making all that motherfucking noise. The fuck's wrong with you? Um, I'm about to throw up. He quickly grabbed his mouth, opened the car door, and leaned out into the parking lot. Then I heard the sudden sound of him barfing up whatever the hell he had in his stomach. This nigga was really doing the most right now. Some seconds later, he slid back into a seat and wiped his mouth. It ain't that serious, Mr. Colvin. Just drink the damn Hennessy and when we get inside, I'll roll up this reefer. Jarvis got some good shit, too. After Mr. Colvin got us a room for the night, we quickly made our way to the second floor and down the hallway towards the room. I threw my Louis Vuitton travel bag down onto the bed and then went over to the window to close the blinds. Of course I didn't want the world to see all this nastiness I was about to unleash. I marched back over to the bed and opened my bag. It was packed with a change of clothes, some soap, perfume, toys, and even some lingerie. I was going to show this nigga what the fuck I was capable of once I got in the mood. Give me that liquor, Mr. Colvin barked as he stood near the bed. Where's it at? The bottle was inside a plastic bag next to my bag. I grabbed it and handed it to him. Why don't you go get some ice, make yourself a drink, and just relax? I'm going to change and then roll this reefer up, I told him. I'm going to just drink this shit straight to the head, he said, and without hesitation, he popped the bottle up and took a huge swig. My face twisted with disgust. Damn, say something for me at least. I'm not even that tipsy yet. He screwed the cap back onto the bottle and set it on the table. He got in the bed, laid down, and covered his eyes with his forearm. 
Shaking my head, I let out a chuckle as I grabbed the pack of cigars from out of my purse and grabbed the Ziploc bag of weed from my Vuitton bag. I placed the cigars and reefer on the desk near the television. Before I opened up this reefer, I needed to make sure no one in the damn hotel smelled this stuff. Baby, this shit Jarvis got for me was loud as fuck. I flew over to the bathroom, grabbed a towel, and then rushed over to the front door of the room. I tucked the towel deep into the bottom of the door to ensure no smoke would escape the room. I marched back over to the desk, sat down, and started cracking the cigar open, dumping the guts out into a nearby trash can. Then I broke that weed down and stuffed it into the cigar. I rolled up the nicest, fattest blunt I could. I shot up from the seat and went over to my pocketbook still on the bed. I pulled a lighter out and immediately hit the blunt. Damn, you really gonna smoke in here? Are you fucking nuts? Mr. Colvin asked sarcastically, staring at me as if I was crazy. Still laying on the bed, he just shook his head as if I was out of my mind. Boy, stop being pussy. I said to him and I took two strong pulls and then reached over to pass him the blunt. Fine, he uttered as he leaned over, grabbed the blunt from my hand and placed it between his lips. I thought this was your first time smoking reefer. You lied to me? I said. This is my first time, he replied. Well, slow it down, partner. You're going to be spaced the fuck out. He took a long pull, then immediately started coughing. Pounding his chest, he wheezed like he was having an asthma attack. Told you, I laughed. Pass it back to me. He passed the blunt back to me and I took another three pulls. I passed it back to him and said, I'm going to go get changed. I'll be right back. I rummaged through my Vuitton bag and quickly grabbed my lingerie, hairbrush, and makeup kit and then made my way into the bathroom. Once inside, I quickly took off the blouse and jeans I had on. Then I unhooked this bra and slid out of them big-ass panties. I didn't need to take no bath either because my pussy stayed fresh and clean. I made sure of that. I didn't slid into the sexy-ass lace hollow steel prop bra. Although I hadn't worked out in quite some time, my titties were still sitting upright and were still firm. I guess that jazzercise and water aerobics did something. My areolas were looking nice and tight, too. Hopefully, Mr. Colvin was a titty sucker because I shoved one of my nipples sucked on. Then I slid into this matching thong. Luckily, I just shaved. This thong was exposing my bare, fat-ass pussy lips. I spent the next ten minutes or so doing my makeup and hair. Once I got done, I double-checked myself in the mirror. Showtime. I danced out the bathroom, making my way into the center of the room floor. You ready, Mr. Colvin? I asked when I saw that he still was face down on the bed, almost as if he was napping. Ain't no time for sleeping. Wake the fuck up, nigga. He took his arm off his eyes and then spun his head around at me. He sat up in the bed. His mouth was now flung wide open. Damn. I stood there for a second, perplexed by the look on his face. I didn't even know if he was saying that because he was disgusted or because he liked what he saw. Damn what? I had to ask. I, uh, uh, he gulped. I, wow, I must be tweaking or something. Damn Hennessy got me bugging out. Suddenly I smiled. Nah, nigga, you ain't tripping. What you see is what you see. Now stop planning to get out of those clothes so I can gobble on that dick. He cautiously stood up and then proceeded to take his shirt off. His eyes glued to me. I just stood there with my arms folded as I analyzed his torso. He was a bit on the thick side since the last time I saw him, but I didn't mind me a little thickness. 
Sometimes those skinny boys ain't nothing but bones. And bone on bone was some uncomfortable fucking. He didn't have any tattoos. His chest was full of hair. Then he slowly unbuckled his pants and slid them down along his boxers, instantly exposing his long yet soft dick. Damn. You ain't even hard yet and that's all you? My mouth flung wide open. Yeah. Baby, his dick was so beautiful. It was long, uncut, and matched his skin tone. He had some long, big balls, too. Baby, I was about to be sucking on them nuts all night. Thank God he didn't have much pubic hair, either. I hated it when these Negroes didn't trim they shit. I didn't like sucking dick while pubic hair was getting all up in my mouth, cutting up my lips and whatnot. Well, lay down, because I'm going to show you how a dick is supposed to be sucked, I exclaimed as I strolled up to the bed. He laid down and covered his eyes again with his forearms. Now on the bed, I slowly crawled in between his legs. My eyes were glued to the dick. Once I arrived at the dick, I placed my head in between his legs and began to dance my tongue up from his taint, up his balls, and then up his shaft. I held his dick in my hand and began to stroke it as I licked on his nutsack. You like the feel of that? Hell yeah, he moaned, his words a bit slurred. Sound like that reefer and liquor had his ass gone, child. Then he chuckled. What's funny? Damn, I can't believe I'm doing this. Well, believe it, I said, and without hesitation, I began to slurp on his shaft, soaking it up with as much saliva as I could. Mr. Colvin thought this was just going to be a one-time affair, but once I blessed him with this nasty, sloppy head, I knew he was going to be crawling back to me for seconds and thirds and maybe even fourths. Y'all already knew how Renita put this magic on them young boys. They couldn't resist. Three hours later. You like that, baby? How them walls feel? I purred as I slowly rode Detective Colvin's long, thick pipe. This was just the medicine to bring total healing to my body. Baby, I swear I've been struck by lightning because electrifying tingles shot down my spine as I took in all his eight inches. Child, I was just assured that my coochie had done dried up, but baby, my juices were soaking up this here hotel bed. That maid was going to have to change out this mattress, you hear me? I couldn't even keep account, but I knew I had to have come at least 10 or 11 times. Hell yeah. Shit, keep riding that motherfucker, groaned Mr. Colvin as he bit his lip and kept his eyes closed. See? I knew I'd turn his ass into a believer. Look at this nigga. His ass is enjoying every single motherfucking second of this pussy. He and I were enraptured in so much bliss. In fact, his fuck game was so on point that it was making me quite dizzy, actually. I would have never thought some dick would have me feeling like this. Damn near psychedelic. If I died today, child, this is truly the way to go, you heard me? Grinding harder, I wanted him to knock my uterus back. My hip was a bit sore, but luckily that reefer and Hennessy was making my mind ignore the slight pain. I was creaming so much on his dick and I wanted to get a taste of myself, so I hopped off the dick, got on my knees, and began to slurp up all my cum off this veiny dick. Oh, ho, hoo, slow down, Mr. Colvin barked as he tried to pull my head up off his dick. But just like that, suddenly something wasn't feeling right. I started to get kind of nauseated. I clutched my chest, felt like my heart was quivering. What's wrong, Mr. Colvin asked as he immediately shot up looking at me with concern. Oh, I'm just a tad dizzy. I gotta use the bathroom, I told him as I got up out the bed. I took a few steps. I stopped and looked up at the ceiling. Then everything became dizzy. The light in the room suddenly became blinding. 
I stumbled a bit more and then just fell out. I couldn't produce no words. Then a bright white grew in intensity in my eyes and I just felt back into it. This had to be it. I was dying. Baby, I done got me some dick and then died. What a way to get called on home to glory. I felt myself going up to yonder. I tried to make out the words, but I couldn't say anything. My mind was beginning to draw blanks. Half my body felt numb. But then the light, which was so warm and inviting and welcoming, turned dark. Dread set in. I knew I was going to die. No, I couldn't die. My chest felt tighter. I had to live. Everything was starting to blend together, and I could feel life slowly fade away. I looked over to my right and saw Mr. Colvin rush over to his pants pocket to pull out his phone to begin dialing a number. Hopefully, he was calling 911. He stood there, and I was able to focus in on his face. Right then and there, something was off. His eyes became evil slits. He looked at me and said, Sorry, Vernita. I tried my best to formulate words, but I couldn't say anything. The tightness in my chest increased in intensity. Hey, Charday, it's me, Mike. I think the brownies worked, I heard him say. Once she's out, I'm going to dress her up and then bring her back to the nursing room, put her up in the bed, and then lock her room door from the inside. Let me get going, though, because i got to get there ASAP, so that way her body don't start to look crazy. My eyes exploded with terror. They set me up. They killed me. I knew it. I knew something was off. Mr. Colvin hung up the phone, then tossed it off to the side of the bed. Fuck. I gotta take a fucking piss. Shit. Hurry the fuck up, Mike. He then stormed past me and dashed into the bathroom. I don't know what came over me, but I suddenly mustered up the energy to move. I slowly crawled towards his jeans in the center of the room and grabbed a hold of him. That motherfucker. To my luck, that shady nigga's small pistol was resting comfortably inside the right pocket. I pulled the gun out, cocked it back, and then turned over on my back. The moment he rushed out the bathroom, he froze like he had just seen a ghost. I raised my arm and aimed it at Mr. Colvin. Shit, he blurted out. Before he took cover, I pulled the trigger. Pow! The sound of the gunshot popped in my ear, and for a second, I blacked out. I reopened my eyes and saw Mr. Colvin now lying in the floor, completely motionless. Y'all ain't getting shit from me, I managed to squeeze out. A sudden heaviness overcame me and darkness took me away. Call that. Epilogue. Vernita. Vernita. I slowly opened my eyes to the sound of a soft, angelic-sounding voice. My vision was hazy. I couldn't make out anything. Then I heard the sound of what had to be hospital machines chirping. I was alive. The Lord done spared me. As my eyes adjusted to the brightness of the cold hospital room, I saw a young black woman hovering over me. How do you feel, sweetheart? Where, where am I? I painfully squeezed out through my parched lips, my voice scratchy. You're in the hospital, dear. You're a survivor. You're an incredible woman, said the doctor. She gave me a wide grin. What happened to me? I asked as I scanned the room and noticed that the doctor wasn't the only person in the room. That trifling bitch, Charday, her husband, Lamar, and her kids were also in the room as well. A police officer was also standing guard. Some tall, handsome, Denzel Washington-looking man walked over to me and said, Miss Washington, 
I'm Commander Jenkins with the Chicago Police Department. I deeply apologize about everything that happened. We believe that. Sir, with all due respect, the doctor interrupted, but I don't think it's right to have this discussion right here and right now. Miss Washington suffers from late stage dementia and what you may say it may end up being very traumatizing. We also need to conduct some more routine tests. Oh, oh, I deeply apologize, said Commander Jenkins. He looked over at Chardin and Lamar. Folks, I'll be out in the waiting area to follow up with the Orland Park Police Department. I'm so sorry for everything. Then he walked out that room. On that note, now that Miss Washington's awake, we're going to need to run these tests on her now. So if you folks don't mind, can I have some privacy with her? The doctor said. Sure thing, doctor, Lamar said and then grabbed his kids. He glanced over at me and his entire face was flat with expression. What? His entire face was flat with expressionless. He glanced over at me and his entire face was flat and expressionless. I got you, fam. Charday stood up and stared at me. Can I have just a brief moment with her, doctor? I'll make it brief. I just want to pray for her, she said. My eyes turned to slits because I just knew that bitch was lying right through her motherfucking mouth. Okay, but please make it quick. The neurologist will be coming soon, the doctor said and then made her way out. Now it was just Charday and I in the room by ourselves. Awkward silence filled the room. So, you not gonna say anything, bitch? After all the shit you put me through, Charday growled. I looked at her and said with boldness, Baby, I'm like that Tupac. I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. But I'm strictly dickly, ho. Charday suddenly exploded out of her seat and rushed out the room without saying anything else. Yeah, that's right, bitch. Oh, raggedy, nasty-ass bitch, I barked. I couldn't even believe she had the audacity to be up in this hospital room, acting like she was here to look after me in a time of need. Even though I resented the hell out of her, she didn't have to kill me, especially when you consider the fact that her no-good-ass mammy set me off to do what I did in the first place. I didn't know what she put in them brownies, but I guess the Lord wasn't going to let the devil have his way with me. God wasn't through with me yet. But I'll tell you this right fucking now. If that whore thought she was going to get her claws on my money, then she better think again. She wasn't going to get shit, and I already done seen to that. Why? Because just when I thought I was going to die when I was falsely diagnosed with the cancer, I got all my affairs in order and left a secret will in my safe. All my shit was going straight to one place and one place only. My church. Mount Moriah Missionary Baptist Church where the Reverend C.M. Miller III is the presiding pastor. So whatever fucking shenanigans Charday and that motherfucking Mr. Colvin had up their sleeves, it wasn't going to work any damn way. Although by now Charday was probably seething with rage, contemplating her next move, I just sat up in this hospital bed and increased the morphine drip running through me. A big smile came across my face because for the first time in a long time I felt a sense of relief. All my burdens were lifted off my shoulders. Why? Well, for some odd reason, my memory came back in full focus. Everything was so clear now. And I had one thing on my mind that was so vivid. It was clear that I could see it like it had happened yesterday. And that was that night of Chardet's wedding on that raggedy-ass carnival cruise. Baby... I didn't even fuck with carnival cruises like that. I was a Royal Caribbean cruise riding type of bitch. Uh-huh. Yeah, Charday. I ain't like shit about your raggedy ass wedding, but I'm glad I did what I did. 
That's right, ho. I'm so glad I fucked your husband on your wedding night, I laughed to myself. And now that I think about it, his dick wasn't even all that. So have at it, ho. With them ugly-ass kids of yours. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That Lamar sure could eat the hell out of some pussy. I know that for sure. The nice black doctor strolled back into the room, and this time some short white man with a bald head was to her side. Hey, Miss Washington. I'm Dr. Schilling. We're going to run some tests on you now. Pauline! Pauline! I want some hog head cheese and saltine crackers. Run up to the store and get me some, I blurted out, faking like I had the dementia. Don't worry, Miss Washington. We're going to take really good care of you, the doctor said, and all I could do was lay back and just laugh. But just when I thought I was feeling good, my mind began to draw blanks once again. Everything became fuzzy. Where am I? Where's Mama? The end. Mm. 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 So, really, no resolutions. And she probably got dementia. I don't fucking know. I don't. I don't know. This book was jumbled. I am, like I said, impressed by how he connected the two, but that just raises more questions than anything else. Um, I don't know why she's giving the money to her pastor. She ain't never been a church person. And I just want to point out again that um, she a fake me out Christian, if nothing else. Um... Mr. Colvin's dead, I guess. Detective Colvin. I don't know why the uh, why Commissioner Jenkins had a police officer waiting outside her uh, room unless he thought she was guilty or had some questions to ask. But I don't know. That ending seemed rushed to me. I knew she had poisoned her. I was just hoping it would work. Like, let Charday have the epilogue where she told the story of finding out that her husband fucked with... Uh, Vernita or something. Oh no. So when Alice had the heart attack and Vernita came in there and Lamar was in there, why'd she run out? Also, if Alice died from falling down the stairs of her house, How'd she have the heart attack vision or whatever? And when they went to the club in the first book and they were with all them old ass men playing a hole in the wall song. What was that? I just, I, I don't know. This book was just sloppy. I mean, yeah. Editing wise, it's sloppy, but I can understand it being sloppy editing wise because I guess these books aren't getting to a lot of these publishers. I'm quite certain the editors are probably pretty prejudiced about letting urban fiction or black authors get any space in their houses. Um, but yeah, just it doesn't have to be sloppy as far as memories and. And I want to put this out there and I want to know what y'all think about it. There's no need to put homophobic slurs into a book. 
Like there's no need to try and denigrate somebody using homophobic slurs. I just, I don't get it. I don't want to, I want to ask y'all, like, honestly, like, please let me know, listeners, please. You can email me uh, at wretchedandratchet at gmail.com. You can DM me on Twitter. You can just message me. You can hit me up. I really want to know how y'all feel about me reading those slurs. Because they catch in my throat. I don't have a problem with saying nigga. I have a problem with saying bitch, but within the context of the book, I can read it. I understand that. I have a real problem with homophobic slurs. It's not enough to uh, make me stop doing this podcast, not even fucking close. Because obviously I don't come across it that often, thank God. But... What do y'all, like, I don't want to, I think it would sound silly if I bleeped it out. And initially I tried to just say, shut the fuck up, homophobic slur. Like, I didn't say the actual slur, I just said homophobic slur. But, I don't know. That sounded just, it takes you out the story. I'm really struggling with this, like seriously. And I really need to know because the next books I'm going to be reading. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's going to be homophobic slurs in it. But then again, this is Ratchet Book Club. Like, why am I stopping myself from reading these what's already ratchet like you? This is like trying to clean a, 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 a something that you already knew was going to be filthy. And the further I go back into these books, like if I read Donald Goings or Iceberg Slim, I already know there's going to be shit in there that I'm not going to like. But we read and then we discuss, right? So I can read it and then I can discuss why I don't like it afterwards, right? I don't know. 916-633-1537. Uh, Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Um, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, leave a review of Podchaser, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, yeah, I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you so much, and y'all have a wonderful day. I'll holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you're